0: Welcome back to DesignPod with me, Hamish Kilburn. This week, we return to Monotti London showroom in the heart of Fitzrovia to get comfortable on the sofa with Holly Hallam, the Managing Director of Design LSM. Now, before you listen in on the episode, I just wanted to share a little anecdote about our recording. Before Holly arrived, our production team nipped out on a coffee run. That's pretty standard. <laughs> they went to a cute little cafe called Kiss the Hippo, which is just down from the showroom when Holly arrived to meet downing a latte she noticed the cup and said oh cool we designed the branding and the interiors for that place I mean you, you just couldn't write it I'm pretty sure that looking back now Holly thinks that that whole situation was manufactured in order to impress her but I only wish I was that organized <laughs> what I love about Holly is that she approaches design in any of the studio's projects, by understanding the intention of the space, which, let's face it, is integral to trying to define what that new era of lifestyle looks and, more importantly, feels like. So, let's listen into the interview. So welcome, Holly, to our podcast, to the Design Pod Sofa here in Minotti London. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's been a long time coming. We're been... like <laughs> passing ships in the night, we you and literally I.
1: Are. We literally are. So I am <laughs> pleased that we are in one spot and we have to yeah. be here now. It was
0: very meaningful. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So let's just start by talking about the studio, Design LSM. So you're brighton base, which yeah. is quite unique. Um, how many of you are there in the studio?
1: So the 17 of us in our studio, wow. um, which is great. Brighton based as you say, which is really nice because we get to be by the sea and certainly obviously post pandemic, it's that work life balance is, is really great. So um, it's nice to just sort of breathe a bit of fresh air. London's amazing, <laughs> um, but yeah. it's just nice to kind of, you know, at lunchtime go down to the beach we kind of try and actively get involved by doing things like beach cleans occasionally and sort of give back a bit. So it's really nice to do to sort of be be there. And then you're like seconds away from the South Downs. So in terms of inspiration from kind of the architecture there, that's really eclectic to the kind of the uh, kind of scope of the nature around there. it's really great for our designers to sort of have that freedom. And then we are like 50 minutes to London yeah. and 20 minutes to Gatwick. So it's kind of a really nice base.
0: And, and this podcast is all about i mean a new era of lifestyle but really merging that within luxury because obviously you're not just contained to lifestyle yeah. but we can't really talk about that without talking about where you are how the studio activates how it how it works day in day out so what's what's happened since the pandemic in terms of the way you work as a as a business
1: obviously we all worked from home pandemic um, and then we slowly started to do a f- sort of be more flexible so 3 days a week in the office 2 days a week from home for a lot of people but then it was the designers that drove wanting to be in the studio much more so most of the time they are majorityly in the office because i think they just miss that collaboration especially with design yeah. it's so important to kind of just get inspired and talk about things and ask opinions yeah so yeah we are we're in the office most of the time i traveling a lot so we have we opened up just a couple of months ago a satellite office in dubai so i've been traveling back and forth um and then we've got a couple of our designers that pre-pandemic kind of decided that they want to do a bit of traveling. Um, and so we're fortunate that actually, sort of on top of our 17 in the office, we have a couple that are um, based in Europe um, oh that wow. are working out in Europe for us. And do you think that project. would have happened? I don't think, no, it's interesting, I isn't think it? the mindset changed. Mm. And I think people mm. are much more kind of realizing that they don't need to be in an office to work. And if they kind of, they're happy to be kind of creative. Um, for us, it's about like, where can a designer be the most creative? What can they do to sort of, um, kind of you know, stimulate those, those ideas and those uses? Yeah. So I don't think it needs to be fixed to four walls, but you know, I think the things like Teams and Zoom. I and think you know, yeah, it's all very things. transparent if people yeah. are productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> exactly. <not. laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think all of those things have really helped because it is really important to collaborate. Yeah. Um, and we do a lot of strategic work. So it's really important that we kind of delve into spending time with the client and spending time with each other to make sure whatever our design is, is For like sure. I mean, let, let's so. talk about
0: because you've really come from a marketing background <laughs> into design. I <laughs> yeah, think yeah. that's the really interesting mix. And it's probably helped you develop the company into what it is now because you offer strategy, branding, interior design and architecture. So yeah. really it's the complete mix of of what you do. When did you decide that was going to be the strategy and... How has that helped your other projects?
1: Uh, I think I so my family is heavily into design. Um, my father designed, so I've always lived around design. Um, but I was then in creative industry, so film and TV and, and marketing. And so then when I kind of joined Design L S M, it was really looking at how do I bring my skill set, which is sort of understanding, you know, great design is wonderful and it's really lovely to be in in a place where it has great design. Yeah. But if it doesn't work if it doesn't make money and it's not optable, yeah, you know, for sure. Then, then What's you the are point? literally just in a museum. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. Um, so, it's bringing kind of the strategy was about really understanding kind of what what actually are the kind of commercial objectives, what are the marketing objectives, what are the brand objectives. So, where you know where does a brand ha- want to take itself? What does it want to do? What what is the purpose of the design other than just being aesthet- aesthetically pleasing? Um, so, we brought that strand into it, which has really helped. To kind of develop our designs and kind of grow them and evolve them and with our clients as well it's helped us get closer with them because we often do like concept evolution for them so mm-hmm. really look at their positioning help take them forward and as you said post-pandemic a lot of brands have had to kind of pivot and have to, had to look at what they're doing and how they're growing and how they're changing according to kind of the climate so mm. that strategy arms really help that and then bringing brand in as well is really great because you know, design should feed from what that tone of voice of a brand is, what that DNA is. And so Having that understanding there gives it a really good foundation.
0: Do you ever feel like um, the functional aspect of the <coughs> the aim of, of a project and the design ever sort of clashes with the creativity when, when you're working on these projects? Or does it kind of work in harmony?
1: <laughs> there is, <laughs> be y- y- yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Yes, sometimes, of course. And, you know, In fact, we were having this argument. We've got this uh, amazing, uh, she's Polish designer and she's so creative. And literally yesterday in the office we were like, no, <laughs> just no. And she's like, no, but look, it looks so amazing. It's so beautiful. It's this. And we're like, just no, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's a shelf that is actually just at the wrong height if you're sitting down to a desk and da, da 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 And she was like, but it just looks so lovely. So I think it, yeah, we often have that kind of, you know, function over aesthetic yeah. um, argument and sometimes reining in designers to, um, to make sure that you know, operationally or form works within a space. And it's not just. Yeah beautiful. I think
0: it speaks well I mean I look at the projects normally at the completion end of the projects when you just see the beautiful design and my job then is to really understand the design narrative and it's so helpful for me to see the the layers and I guess by having those discussions in terms of strategy and even I can imagine even if they don't use the strategy element of what you're or or, you know what you're offering within the package you still think strategically in terms of the design so it's very much like you know when you when you see the the end project so for example like Gigi in in Islington Mm it's just such a beautiful project but the artwork is just so striking yeah talk to us about that project and how that kind of developed
1: yeah well that's that's kind of the naughty little sister of somersan is, yeah. is sort of how we say it so um the founders of SummerSAN came to us and said you know we, we've got we really want to create this kind of new concept this fusion concept um where we bring sort of the, Jap- the japanese with a sort of middle eastern um kind of israeli element to the food and therefore their, their other brand Summer sound is it's very japanese aesthetic so it's quite clean it's quite crisp it's quite minimal it's it's very considered and so we really wanted to create something that felt really different so again going back to sort of beginnings we did a workshop with the client and said you know what's the ambitions for this where do you want to take it what's the tone of voice what's its personality how should i feel within the space what you know what's the food going to make me feel but what's the space going to do and how how's that going to transition because that's so important you know mm. spaces have got to earn money. <laughs> and yeah, in order to yeah. earn money, they've got to work hard every hour of the day that they're open. And so understanding how that space should transition from a great space for, for afternoon lunch to learn a really buzzy DJ kind of in the evening. And, and that space has got to kind of you know, work hard to do those different things at different times of day. Yeah. And it was really important for it to be sort of if you think about Tel Aviv, it's so buzzy, it's so bustling, it's so bold, it's so I kind love of Tel Aviv. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, there's a designers in Tel Aviv. Um, they weren't on the podcast, but they I interviewed them once, and they said we we live in Tel Aviv like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, it's it, so true. It
1: is. It is. I, <laughs> I saw somebody um, this really old man. He was amazing. I was <coughs> in a coffee shop the other day, and he was an Israeli, and he came over and he said exactly that because of the history of the country. Yeah, everyone lives for. There's not much saving, he was saying, and everyone just explores and goes out and socialises because they're just living for the moment.
0: But the economy must be booming there because of it. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I just think it's amazing. So what we try to do is bring that into Islington, Mm -hmm. sort of bring that kind of real buoyancy, that real dynamicism. Yeah, what
0: a great culture mix.
1: Yeah, and yeah. make it feel quite quite buzzy and eclectic. Yeah. Um, and then obviously look at the, the look at the materials. So the food's really high quality. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to make sure the tactility of the space by looking at the materials and the detailing of the materials were mm. were there. So it was important for example, you know, on the bar counter it's beautiful, wooden fronted bar counter, but we've replicated um the circles of the logo and occasionally kind of the relief of the logos in there. So it's just the small details as well as mm. these kind of big bold bright colours and our work.
0: It's, it's fabulous. Let's, so when we're talking about lifestyle, I think really we're, we're looking at breaking boundaries yeah. and, and breaking, you know, um, unnecessary kind of boundaries between spaces and also the way people feel in, in hotels and mm. hospitality in particular, I guess. Um, it really upset me the other day. I went to a hotel. It wasn't one of yours, don't <laughs> worry. But I went to a hotel and it's a beautiful hotel, really well known. Everyone will know it in London mm. It's like one of the major openings of last year. Um, and it's designed impeccably sat in the lobby to, to do some emails while waiting for my next meeting order a coffee obviously why, why wouldn't you yeah. and uh, got told that I had to go to the laptop designated area oh no and it really upset me not because I was being a diva yeah, yeah. of course not me <laughs> uh, because it really upset me because I thought well I know the designers and they really did not design this space yeah. to be intended to be or to, intended to be used in that in Just that like way. a
1: way kind of. and I yeah.
0: do feel like there's a battle at the moment between operation and design mm. because of the lack of staff because of the lack of, mm. and I just wondered if you've seen that yourself or, or how you would counterbalance that in terms of getting a deeper relationship with your client, yeah. how that's actually helped in order to make sure that that's tightly knit.
1: Yeah, that, that is so important. We always insist to do like a workshop with our clients before we start doing any design, before we put any creativity. And we asked the team, so we asked the client team, can you bring in the GM? Can you bring in the ops team? Can you bring in your branding? Can you bring in your PR? Can you bring in as many kind of key departments as possible? Not like literally everyone, but even, you know, with hotels, bring in the heads of housekeeping into that meeting. Because it's so important that when we're designing, that, you know, when we're looking at rooms or corridor spacing, that we actually understand how many, cup, you know, how many cupboards do you need, and what, you know, what is the storage, the linen storage that you need for the, for this hotel. So it's all of those little details that can actually make or break a guest's experience, like you've just said. And yeah. again, it can be designed to be beautiful, but if you haven't got the function of the space right, it yeah. operate, it's hard to operate. And especially now, you know, the conversations that we're having with so many of our clients. Like we work with Gaucho really extensively and we're talking to them about all of their new openings. Like, you know, what is that team going to look like? How can we make it easier? Like, do we need to add in a few extra waiter stations so that the mileage, if you've got less staff, mm. for example, is less back and forth to certain places so they can serve people much more efficiently? Um, you know, do we need to look at space planning much more effectively? So actually, if you don't, if the staff level is low, that the meet and greet is at actually at the bar, or if the concept is you know, it's suitable to that. So it's really important to understand kind of all of the operational, but also all of the commercial logistics. Um, We're also looking at a restaurant at the moment that's on two floors and we're sort of saying, actually, on a Wednesday, is the staffing ratio going to be there for you to operate both floors? And if it's not, how do we close that down whilst aesthetically still making the space look beautiful and and just not empty? Mm. Um, So yeah, it's really important to get that right at the start.
0: How, how do you approach working for brands like Gaucho and The Alchemist, for example, changing and redesigning their spaces while also being sensitive to their history and what people know of those yeah. brands?
1: It's really important to understand the legacy because <clears throat> especially with, you know, those brands, they've been really successful and, you know, like Gaucho and, and The Alchemist were quite disruptive and, um, and kind of burst onto the scene and, yeah. and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of loyalty to those brands from a lot of people, but then they just... You know, so many was,
0: memories as well, like The Alchemist is the prime, especially in Manchester. Yeah, know, it's a the home of The um, Alchemist yeah, Manchester. Yeah, so, but it's yeah. like, it's the sort of place where you could go with friends or on a date yeah. or whatever, so it's like so many memories being yeah. held there. And It's
1: I mean, really it's, important to sort of say, again, going back to that kind of workshop piece, which is, what is the DNA of the brand? So what really, you know, what is your tone of voice? What is the DNA of it? What, what's the integral part? And what was parts? it for The Alchemist? so the alchemist is so we took it to being more about kind of the origins of alchemy so actually about the elixir of life and the exploration and all of that kind of discovery and sense of intrigue and um, kind of adventure so way way back in history about kind of the elixir of life it's all about how do you discover the secret be- the secret meaning of life and and Actually, the Alchemist came to us and said, you know, we are an immersive concept. We want, to be, we want to be kind of immersive. We want to be experiential. So we really wanted to play up on that and sort of take that journey. So we, with this kind of new interior design, evolved it to look at kind of the exploration of space, to look at the exploration of kind of those supernovas. Um, and so we've got these amazing kind of archways over the bar that glow in the day quite bright kind of white light and then in the evening they start glowing red so it's almost like the transition of the sun in space um and and then kind of about the supernova kind of bursting into life so suddenly at night the 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 color just kind of radiates from behind the bar and really makes it a stand-up feature and it's glass all the way around so again it attracts people from kind of from the street to come in and it's all about kind of that that transition of kind of solar transition and then throughout the space we've really used that idea of universe and space um to be about that kind of sense of exploration and the elixir of life there's so many things we discover when we're looking at this i just wonder
0: whether um was was the client ever um surprised with some of the things you you sort of were, were talking about and discussing in terms of the the concept or was it quite a um a seamless process with them kind of one thing to another, kind of develop along the long time? Or. I think
1: we went to them with this idea, you know, with this idea, and we kind of went really out there with the idea. So the bathrooms are kind of just like one bold orange colour because they're meant to look like a solar, kind of a solar plexus kind of exploding. And so they're, they're lots of mixed pieces of terrapia, which is meant to be the fragments of kind of this supernova kind of exploding into space. Um, and they were, <laughs> and so I think they were kind of like, oh, right, OK, you know, this is really taking it into a different, into a different era because you know they w- they were quite known for their victoriana their kind of more pharmaceutical kind of alchemy um route and so it yeah i think they were pleased and i think we were sort of talking to them about their brand development which was happening at the same time mm. and, and making sure that they're all aligned as well as their product development so you know they're known for all these amazing cocktails um and so we were kind of making sure that all of those things were tied in together so when you get to to, to the site it's kind of it, it is a real immersive journey that you're taking through and it doesn't jar from product to operations to design it's sort of all flows through
0: yeah yeah and i guess it's the the it has to feel familiar if people know the alchemist yeah. brand as well from one city to another
1: yeah exactly yeah totally it has to feel familiar and i think it's really important to understand what's the core dna so we sort of say what's the core dna what are the core pillars of a brand and of an aesthetic language that that brand has that, that's got to stay throughout. So like with Gaucho, when we did the workshop way back with them, it was they're known for the black and white cowhide. Yes. Yeah. It was time to get rid of the black and white cowhide. <laughs> <it>? Thank <laughs> you. It's totally <laughs> time to get rid of that and the white leather. Um, but we actually have then introduced black and white marble. Yeah. So that is our nod to saying, look, your legacy and you were famed and you were like, everyone at the time, you were known for your black that and white marble. was, really bold. It was, really, it was really bold. It was and, and and really disruptive. It was really bold. And also
0: really risky, because yeah. you don't really want it shoved in front of you that you're eating cow. Eating cow.
1: <laughs> exactly, and there's the skin <laughs> of the cow. No, exactly. But it was time to kind of to evolve it on. And so actually, hmm. you're still respecting that brand. But it's now in black and white marble in a few places. So the bar fronts often tend to be in in a kind of really kind of um, juxtaposed like black and white marble with then a, a different surface on the top. Um, but it was also about bringing out the different origins of the brand. And so it was really interesting because they're they're going really into a sustainable route. And so it was looking at kind of actually where does where does the provenance of this of this product come from? It comes from Argentina. What what is actually Argentinian around the space? Previously mm. there wasn't much. So, actually, we brought this clay works wall in, which is this beautiful tactile clay wall that um, is kind of segmented. So it, it replicates the, uh, the the kind of the geo- geological structure of the Andes. Oh, nice,
0: nice way of and injecting sense of place.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it's really important to sort of you know going back to your question what's the pillars, what what actually is integral to this brand, what yeah. makes it that brand, what makes it The Alchemist. It's about discovery, immersive kind of experience. And I, I guess
0: with restaurants and F&B in general, really, you can kind of be a bit bolder in terms yeah. of the design, in terms of the branding and the marketing, um, but where you have to be really sensitive is in hotels. Yeah. So obviously you completed um, 100, Queensgate Hotel, which is a Curio collection owned by Hilton. Yeah. Um, but it's a soft brand, Curio, isn't it? It's it is. So, so where where did you start with that in terms of branding and finding the identity of the project and the building, the design, and how did that develop into, because it's a prime lifestyle luxury yeah. property to talk about in terms of a case study?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that that's, I, I love that project. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was really a good project in terms of that started right back at the beginning with strategy. So we start, started speaking to the client and he was saying, That he felt there was room to evolve. There was room to evolve the the price point, and there was room to attract a different footfall. But because he was getting a lot of residential uh, footfall, but he wasn't getting much of the local footfall, and obviously, which is key, absolutely key, especially when suddenly you know travel gets shut.
0: (laughs) Well, who would have known?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I'm pleased we did it. But you know, and you've got the Kensington um, opposite, which was doing, which was attracting a lot of kind of local footfall as well. So he came to us and said, "Look, what what can I do?" Um, so we did sort of a really big, strong Public position. Public area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did a really big, strong positioning piece for him. Um, and when we kind of did a deep dive in, into the building, we were really fortunate to find out that William Alexander used to own the mm-hmm. building, who was one of the founders of the National Portrait Gallery, and was this amazing kind of curator of, of art and culture. Um, and so when you find out
0: something like that, it sounds as if it's like the oh, aha you've moment. you hit the jackpot.
1: Well, <laughs> arguably,
0: think. but then also it's like, oh my, we've now got so much inspiration. Where, yeah, how do true. we pick and choose and curate it into something that is, you know, meaningful, but also powerful and bold. Yeah. And, so how yeah. did you work on that?
1: I think what we took was he was really known for his sense of travel and bringing kind of his curiosities and his collection and bringing kind of different cultural routes to to the uk uh, or to london or to that part of kensington at the time mm. and so for us it was actually well you know this is about travel this is about exploration this is about people coming and exploring whether that be the hotel or whether that be london um and let's, let's tie that in so when we space planned we completely changed the whole of the ground floor um, how they react to that they like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know QS, just imagine
0: you going into a meeting <laughs> we're changing everything
1: we're just literally ripping. i mean it literally was everything though the whole but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, so it needs to change yeah you know everything changed the entrance changed we then created a whole new independent restaurant which had its own street entrance to and then we created there was this light well that was just this dead space in the middle um of the property and we covered that and made it into this orangery which um then is kind of made to feel kind of quite tropical um and kind of inspired by what william alexander would have seen in terms of bringing back plants or bringing back kind of um elements that were that were more kind of exotic to Mm. london at the time Um, and that's done really well so during lockdown again we worked with the client to sort of say actually your guest profile has now pivoted from international to local and to kind of you know uk staycation tourism so what can we do to up that and, and very much they dialled up that kind of element of of partnering with different brands so they partner with a natural history museum to do this amazing family stay where um where they get in-room entertainment and then they partner with a, a trip to the national history museum and the Orangery we work perfectly where they partnered up with a perfumery brand you have this amazing afternoon tea it is about
0: collaboration isn't it yeah and, <clears throat> and i think lockdown really helped brands identify how they could have that language with local customers and yeah. with, with the neighbourhood that they're in, um, which has actually, at the end of it, really enhanced the, added a new layer to the uh, hospitality business. Absolutely.
1: And I, you know, the thing that's really come out of the pandemic, and I keep talking about the pandemic, but it's the value economy. Yeah. And everybody now is more aware of where they're spending their, their money and mm-hmm. how that reflects upon them and their lifestyle choices. And so I think exactly that, that sort of doing these partnerships, supporting the locality, really brings out kind of what your ethics are and what as a brand you stand for and what's important. Mm. And I think that then creates a deeper engagement as a guest mm-hmm. and therefore mm-hmm. you're willing to kind of spend more or spend, spend your, maybe your stretch budget with that specific, mm. with that specific brand. And a
0: lot of the changes within lifestyle that have happened over the last couple of years, they were kind of happening anyway, especially that, that sort of smudging of lines between luxury and lifestyle and the sort of more reclined um, look and feel of, of hotels which mm. is why it's such a shame operationally why you know hotels are struggling at the yeah. moment with with staff it kind of feels like it's going backwards a little bit in that yeah. respect but i'm sure it will come back yeah um we've already had a podcast with joe Littlefair on on the new era of luxury so obviously this is on on lifestyle but mm. i don't think we can really approach this topic without talking about one of your latest projects which is a huge project really Haythrop Park yeah. which I mean like tell us about the concepts of, of what you've been well, what the brief was to start with um, and how you've how you've approached that um, because it's such a huge building with a big legacy yeah. um, big public spaces very grand how have you made that more sort of residential and sort of approachable maybe?
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful, I mean, I am quite a kind of listed building geek, so, okay. <laughs> so when I turned up to Haythrope Park and saw this amazing grade two listed massive, kind of manor house, I was just like, oh, I'm in heaven, because it just has so mm. much architectural kind of But I've been there before, before Did you touched and it. And it was awful.
0: Yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's it, you, the thing is with those grade two listed buildings is they're beautiful on the outside, yeah. and half the time you walk in and you're like, oh, okay, what's yeah. happened here?
1: Yeah. It was, I remember the first time I walked around and I was so, exactly, I was so excited and I saw the beautiful manor house part to it. And then this extension that, you know, that is much more modern um, and a bit jarring with the, with the beautiful architecture. And then when I went inside, I was like, because it was a conference hotel. It was mainly a conference and a wedding hotel. So very different. Um, So we, we started work with the new owner, um, which is Warner Leisure. So they purchased the hotel and very much came to us and said, this now needs to fit into kind of what what our positioning is what our profile is what do we do and we we sat down and did extensive um uh, space planning so we worked alongside that the, the client's architect who were already with them and really looked at, at kind of you know what does the flow because it's huge i think it takes yeah. over 15 minutes to walk from one of the bedrooms all the way through to the spa yeah so it's it's really big and it's 333 I think I
0: was there for a conference. Right and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. From the bar to the <laughs> Exactly, to the room.
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly that. And so we kind of looked at the space planning and then we looked at actually this is a real retreat. This is a real kind of a leisure. It's not just a hotel where people are coming and then going and leaving the property. Mm. It's going to be that, but it's also going to be on top of that a real leisure experience. And so we looked at we created new F and B concepts for the client. So it's a Project that's been going on two and a half years, and we're really fortunate to work closely with the client to the point where we sat down and said, You're going to need more, you're yeah. going to need more in the space, you're going to need to do more activities, you're going to need to do more immersive experiences, and you're going to need more kind of lifestyle elements. Like, but from, from a business
0: meat. perspective, that's really clever that you go in with like you know the whole strategy and work through because you get a deeper relationship with the client, but also if they need to renovate in the future or they can really understand an honest relationship with you as to what needs to be done in order to take it further. They may not have the budget right now, but actually that could be like a blue sky thinking project.
1: Definitely. And I think also we understand operationally what are the constraints and opportunities that they have. So we're not coming up with these things that just aren't deliverable. Um, from a, as a guest experience perspective, so that's why it is so key, and we are really fortunate. And a lot of our work is actually just repeat business that we have with clients we've held on to a long so time. So, you're
0: starting on the public areas, yeah. and then is that going to merge into
1: so? No, it's complete. No. So, the hotel shut down, and wow. yeah, it shut down, and it's been completely gutted. So, there will and it's due to open in September, so we are literally—that's
0: no time at it's all. It's no time at all. How do you deal with that with all the lead time through. issues at the moment as well? We
1: have been working on it for two and a half years, but right. you know, even now, actually, some of the some of the things still has been like, actually, something you thought you were going to get has well, now yeah, because stock. it
0: kind of just was a bit yeah, of a a shutdown, shutdown. A, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. So we did have to kind of you know start thinking about looking at material changes and things like that, and and cost inflation, obviously. The
0: material changes, have you gone from um, specifying more local for?
1: We have on some things, yeah. Mm. Some things we've definitely gone more local, some things we've looked at the lead times for, um, or some things we've looked at where maybe we were using three or four different suppliers. Maybe we've gone to just one supplier that's using one kind of um, joinery workshop, for example, because actually we could get better capacity and more efficiencies through that through that workshop it is the
0: biggest misconception of designers isn't it for it all just to be about look and aesthetics when there's so much more that goes into it in terms of it may be a beautiful product but it's yeah. going to take a year to, to
1: exactly. Therefore <laughs> exactly we need to
0: find an alternative yeah and it has to fit the budget and yeah. oh god it's just a headache yeah can exactly
1: exactly and i think you know we've gone through a perfect storm as you said of lockdown what well, brexit lockdown and then you know post lockdown sort of w- we were coming out with you know transportation issues and then you know oh god i sound like a crisis yeah. management but then you know no, the ukrainian war you're something like actually the cost of transportation now from europe yeah. for certain goods has just escalated stuff so i think as designers we now have to wear so many more multiple hats we have to kind of make sure is it fit for purpose is it is it operationally and commercially what it needs to be does it look beautiful and then also you know actually Think commercially about the project lead time and the cost of the things that you're employing. Yeah. So I think there are so many hats now. That are you we're using a procurement
0: company for that project,
1: or? Uh, we do. Yeah, do. yeah, we do. So does, yeah, yeah, we do. But again, you know, they look to us first of all to do of the specification, yeah, and absolutely. so you have to make sure that you're being sensible with yeah. what you're specifying.
0: And what do you hope guests feel as they walk into the hotel? Because so often in interior design we talk about look, but really yeah. it's about feeling. Yeah. So what are you hoping guests feel when they arrive? And.
1: Ah, do you know, I hope they just feel ready for an adventure and intrigued. That's what I hope, because I think there are so many spaces that we've designed in there. There are three restaurants, there are four bars, there's a theatre, there's a cinema, there's a ballroom, there's a spa, there's, you know, like five different lounges. So I think it's just that element of kind of, actually, there's something to always be intrigued about and something always to discover and find. And so it's kind of that sense of, this is the start of my holiday. I feel relaxed. I feel like it's, I feel like it kind of is... Somewhere where I can recharge and, and kind of be energized, but it's also somewhere where I'm going to be really excited to discover. and explore. So it's gone from a
0: conference hotel to more of a leisure hotel. It's now. absolutely a leisure hotel. Oh, that's great. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice pure that it's leisure. It's been sort of revived. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, we're running out of time. So just really quickly, where do you see lifestyle going from from here in terms of design and hospitality? What do you think the next step is?
1: I uh, you know I think it's that seamless. It it's boundaryless, and I mm. think that's really interesting. Of what we're looking at now is is that it it literally is a space that has no limits anymore. It's about kind of a value-driven, ethical kind of lifestyle choice that people are making. So you look at all of the brands out, all of the hotel brands that are out there, you know, like Accor now with Wojo with their work, with their workspaces. And you look at Hoxton and you look at all of those places where actually it's about staying, exploring, living, working. And it's just kind of, I think you're seeing that people's people's choices are not so much pigeonholed anymore. They're much more flexible. And I think as designers, we need to really carefully think about how a space can be used at different times of day and how it can transition and how it can work really hard to sort of fulfill those different needs. And I think it's really exciting because it, it leads to kind of much more creative space planning and much more innovative kind of use of materials and, um, and thinking about how that space evolves um mm. in a different way which yeah which it means it's you know it's constantly a challenge and it's constantly kind of thinking of of new ways to create a space in in multiple kind yeah. of facets
0: i think also looking back now i mean it's very easy to say this but we kind of needed that disruption in the industry because yeah. we were ticking along really nicely winning projects and you know writing about beautiful hotels and beautiful projects but actually you are solution driven individuals as designers and mm-hmm. you really needed to have a challenge in order to You know, understand where it's going to go next and how we can evolve, and something to help sort of steer that along, as opposed to it just being an evolution of change.
1: Absolutely, and I also think it was really important because it gave everyone time to pause and reflect. What's important, kind of where where are things going? And I also think personally as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly personally, and but also one of the, you know, it was one of the worst times for hospitality, but it was also a point where everybody else who doesn't work in hospitality, turned around and realized what the importance of hospitality meant to them in their lives. And I think people just didn't realize that restaurants weren't just a place for functionally to eat or meet their friends. They were a really integral part of their community. Hotels were an integral part of the landscape of their journey, of their adventure, of their kind of exploration or relaxation. And actually, these buildings or these properties or these brands meant more to them than just physical spaces. And I think that was really, for me, I think that was a really positive kind of
0: takeaway. Yeah, I feel like I've just been injected with a huge sense of positivity (laughs) from this
1: podcast.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and it's really nice to finally meet you. It's really lovely to meet you and have a chat. For sure, I can't wait to check into Haythrott Park. Perfect. Fabulous, thank Thank you. you. That was so lovely to sit down with Holly in the flesh to explore just how the role of designers is changing and how by understanding the whole process from branding right through to the design details can add layers to a space. Personally, I love her approach and I think that coming from a marketing background, and to be honest with you, being based outside of London in the eclectic neighbourhood of Brighton, has really helped the studio find its own identity. For businesses, Design LSM's portfolio is a shining example of how the power of design, architecture and branding and strategy, can turn a standard hospitality business into one that thrives. And when it comes to understanding a new era of lifestyle, why does it need to be defined? As long as the design and operation of a space is thoughtful, true to its identity, and makes good business sense, well, that's the most important thing. That's all we have time for in this episode but next week we'll be meeting the design legend that is Sue Timney who was recently named one of our judges for the Britlist Awards 2022. Between now and then please feel free to subscribe and you can follow us on Instagram my handles at hotel design editor and hotel designs is at hotel designs to explore all the behind the scenes details of what happens at design pod
1: and hotel designs.
0: See you next week.